feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. This episode belongs in a museum. <laughs> Today, we are reviewing an Indiana Jones movie. Who would have thought? Uh, James Mangold's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, completely spoiler free. Um we're putting this review out before the movie comes out uh, because it's a big one. Uh, the embargo is already up, so we thought we'd put it up. So no spoilers on this one. Uh, whether we cover spoilers at a future date, I doubt it, but we'll dance around things for um, this episode. Eric, how are you? Matt, you know, it's a Sunday. We're recording this. Uh, you know, you're you're about to go on a vacation uh, to Vegas. I spent all of Friday clothes shopping for both Tiff and Aruba oh, wow. in October. Nice. Um, so it's 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 been nice. It's been a bit of a renewal in a way. And, and this is thematic to, I think, what we're going to review, where there's both the nostalgic component for people that loved Indiana Jones growing up, but there's also this aspect of trying to renew or revive a franchise that you know, has been around for so long now and has also influenced so many other movies, especially, you know, I know you're more of a fan of National Treasure than you are of Indiana Jones. And Uncharted. So, yes. I mean, those are the two biggest <laughs> Indiana Jones ripoffs. And ironically, really like both of those. And Indiana Jones has never been my thing. Um, so whatever that says, uh, <laughs> um, and then whatever you want to use that for what my p opinion on this movie is, whatever. Um, but yeah, National Treasure, which was never my thing when they came out, but I like watched them later and I was like, these are so stupid. Um, and Nick Cage is amazing. And then with Uncharted, I guess because of the more modern setting and because they were video games, obviously that didn't work in movie form. We saw that. Um, but the games were always so entertaining and they were just blatant tomb raider i mean even tomb raider is a indiana jones clone yep. um to an extent so uh yeah it's it, it's funny now going back and reviewing an indiana jones film which feels kind of a bit surreal right because i i think you know both of us i worked at cineplex when the last in indiana jones movie came out you were that was right before you started reviewing movies or were you already reviewing stuff i was reviewing point? movies at that point oh. because 2006 when i started wow. so i reviewed the kingdom did of you the crystal skull vodka Look at you. yes Look at you. you've reviewed two indiana jones movies. you're old as fuck bro i know <laughs> no i mean we're both the same age um i was working well, that's, at cineplex that, I, I, I gotta i cut yeah. you off there because i was reading i was reading roger ebert's um essay on Raiders of the Lost Ark last night. And the thing that made me so depressed reading that is that Spielberg made Raiders of the Lost Ark when he was 34. So he already so had Jaws, age, yeah. Close Encounters <laughs> of the Third Kind, you know, Sugarland Express, Duel, all before 34. That's depressing, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I mean, Spielberg oh. obviously is a producer on this and and is this is the first of the Indiana Jones movies that doesn't have him as a director. So I think your metaphor actually sums this up perfectly, whether or not it's positive or negative. I think what you said on Twitter and, and if you could repeat that, I think that, yeah, that's how I was going to kick it off is like, so take this with a grain of salt, not the biggest Indiana Jones fan. So, but I have always been fine with the movies like i've enjoyed them i i saw raiders of the lost ark um in a theater for the first time maybe 10 years ago probably probably after crystal skull came out but they re-released raiders for like you know which they keep doing over and over again but and then i rewatched them all um a few years ago and i've always thought they were okay um or they're good movies objectively it's just uh was never really my thing However, so this movie, uh, I'll kick it off by saying I enjoyed it, but what it feels like to me, and you guys can go back and read my tweet. I don't know exactly how I worded it, um, is like a cover band of a rock and roll hall of fame band, uh, and that you're going to see live that it's playing the hits. It feels almost right. You're having a good time because you like the music that they're playing. However, it still feels like something 
it's like an imitation, right? Like, or it's just uh, someone trying to do what came before it while you're like, I'm having fun watching this, but it's not necessarily exactly the thing that I loved before. You're still seeing, you know, Harrison Ford, you got John Williams. It really feels like it's the greatest hits of Indiana Jones thrown into a movie. Um, so yeah, I compared it to like, if you went out to Las Vegas or something like that, and some sort of cover band of a, of an amazing band is playing like their greatest hits album. And you're like, you go, you spend a little bit of money and you're like, yeah, that was, that was enjoyable. Like, I, I think I had a good time. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to like five years down the line, be like, fucking remember that cover band we saw in Vegas. It's like, no, I went out and I watched them. I enjoyed it because I liked some of the music that they were playing, uh, but it didn't feel like the actual band. Um, so that was a little bit more wordy of what I tried to <laughs> put in a nice little package on Twitter. But like, so for me, I, I enjoyed myself. And even with someone who doesn't have the nostalgia uh, for Indiana Jones, like I found myself going, okay, I see they're bringing back th these characters or taking these moments or, or, you know, following that kind of formula that worked for three of the four movies. Um, and I'm someone who doesn't even hate Crystal Skull because, again, I went into it not with this extra baggage. I just went into it as a movie because I, I didn't really care about the character or, you know, yeah, there's some ridiculous things that happen, the nuking the fridge moment and all that kind of stuff. But I just none of that shit bothered me because the aliens and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I, <coughs> sorry, inter interdimensional beings. beings. My bad, my bad, my bad. Um, so <laughs> I just like, I've never had that attachment. So I went into this without that baggage as well. Uh, I like James Mangold. He is a hit or miss filmmaker, but I love Logan. So like I will give him kind of the benefit of the doubt moving forward on especially big franchise filmmaking. Um, it starts off really strong. Um, I think the opening sequence, um, which is a flashback, that's not spoilers, but like um, is really, really fun and exciting and does feel like, you know, Indiana Jones, classic Indiana Jones. Um, some of the best de-aging I think I've ever seen in, in a movie. Like you can tell Lucasfilm has been working really hard on this to try to get this right. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with it when, you know, the actor is in the movie, they're giving their consent, they're doing the performance, they're just de-aging them. It's gotten better over time. I remember, you know, it used to look horrible. Now, obviously you can still tell at moments, um, but it is getting better. Uh, I think Lucasfilm with what they did in Book of Boba Fett with uh, Luke Skywalker and what they did here with Harrison Ford, um, I think are two of the better examples of of de-aging um, that they've done. I think that opening sequence is really exciting. The rest of the film kind of plays out pretty formulaic to what you would expect a Indiana Jones uh, movie to be. So that's what I mean by those greatest hits. Uh, it is like kind of a long chase sequence. It's kind of nonstop in its pacing, but then it kind of lulls you into this trance that for better or for worse, I think you could lean one way or the other and go, it's not really doing anything new or exciting or original. It's just, like I said, playing the hits and, and doing those things and going through the motions. Um, or it can lull you into like, uh, I'm having a good time. I'm just shut off your brain and, and, and watch, you know, some fun action, even though Harrison Ford is obviously, you know, what's he pushing? He's 80. He's, he's 80. Yeah. I thought I was going to say pushing 80, but he's 80. Um, but he, he, you can really tell he, he gives a shit about this franchise and this character. And, um, I don't know. I, I found it like a fun send off. I liked, uh, Phoebe Waller bridge. I liked, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, you know, the cast is great. Some people are kind of wasted with like Antonio Banderas and, and even Boyd Holbrook, which I, who I, who I really liked in Logan, I thought, and he's playing kind of a similar, character in this or like his vibes are, are similar to that character but I didn't feel like he stood out as much in this um, I thought the action was okay um, yeah so it kind of lulled me into this trance of like I was never bored but I was never like fuck yeah this movie's awesome <laughs> it was just like this <laughs> it was just kind of like this yeah okay uh, and then, but I mean that in sort of a positive way as someone who, who 
isn't going to get disappointed by this, you know, because I don't have any attachment to it where I'm just judging it as a, you know, it's a little long, I guess. And as this, it's two hours and 34 minutes, um, as this statement is long winded, so is this movie. Um, I think it does kind of run out of steam by the end. Um, you know, I, I do like what they tackle with time and stuff like that, even though it's that classic, you know, MacGuffin we've seen in 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 a bazillion different movies and even Indiana Jones like it's just again classic here's tick off the box of what we need in this movie um so yeah I don't know I had a decent time with this I I and yeah so I'm curious on your thoughts Eric because you are more of an Indiana Jones fan than I am so you go ahead yeah, I <clears throat> I mean I literally like on the right side of me have the original 81 poster. Yeah. You know, that my dad got when he first saw yeah, it in the theater. My uncle Mark has had that poster up in his house for the longest time too. Yeah, and he was just obsessed with it and his obsession with it as my dogs are barking. Um, you know, trickled down to us as as kids, me and my brothers and you know, we kind of inherited that love of the franchise over the years the, those first three movies mean an awful lot in terms of nostalgia and growing up and and looking at Harrison Ford as like one of the great movie stars of all time you know I, I love him as Han Solo but I think Indiana Jones even though both characters are reactionary to the world around them um, there was just something about him as Indiana Jones that was it was all front and center you know it wasn't creating other characters that you would basically uh, move around with and, and sort of support the, you know, their journey as, as you go along, like a Luke Skywalker or princess Leia, it was all Indy and Indy would have people that he would meet up with, you know, in, in, in these adventures and supporting roles would be kind of smaller. um, And it would just be, you know, characters overall thinking that like, you know, they would be brought in for a certain, you know, plot development or device to kind of be triggered or to kind of move the story along. But it was always about Harrison Ford. And you look at like that period with, with you know, Indiana Jones, Star Wars and Blade Runner. He was one of the biggest movie stars ever. And so, you know, the films have always been taking the best parts of adventure serials and kind of just making a really fun pulpy B movie. But at the same time, having someone like Spielberg direct those first three movies and even the fourth one to a degree, you have a great technician as well. Like he's a guy that understands how to kind of play with exposition and narrative structure and, you know, keeps things flowing at a pace that's both intriguing to the audience, but also feels like it's economically sound. And so like, he's able to move you from, you know, one location to the other, to the other and and so forth. I I agree with you. The opening sequence is the best aspect or component of this movie. It does feel the closest to what the original three movies are. Um, And when you're watching that sequence, I do agree with you to a certain extent about the de-aging of Harrison Ford. I think it's like Robert De Niro in the Irishman, where we have a reference point of what he actually looked like as a younger man. So you kind of have to put that aside a little bit and where it doesn't work is in the voice and in some of the movements. I think, I think when, when Ford starts moving and talking, that's where the illusion starts to break of the, the de-aged younger version. And what also helps it a little bit is the way that it's shot. It's, it's a sequence that takes place at night. So you're able to use shadows and yeah. kind of dimly lit saturated sequences. A lot of it takes place in a moving train that we see or outside of a moving train that that's going through the French Alps. And, and this is at the end, near the end of world war two, so that kind of benefits as well with kind of hiding maybe some of the uh, plastic kind of qualities yeah. that the DH, I want to say makeup, but it is kind of a form of makeup that hides those kind of um, uncanny valley qualities in the character. And you can you can see it a little bit in Mads Mikkelsen because mm-hmm. I think they did yeah. it to him as well. Um, 
but that sequence I think works overall. The uh, the other moment in in that scene that I think it kind of shows a little bit of a the time we're in now in terms of technology is when he's on the top of the train and he's moving towards the cart where Mads Mikkelsen and Toby Jones's character uh, are in. And Toby Jones plays one of uh, Harrison Ford's uh, acquaintances and friends. And you learn more about him and his backstory as well. And he's, he's kind of almost like a Marcus in this storyline, you know, a Denim Elliott or, I mean, John, Jonathan Reese Davies is in this. So, you know, that's also kind of feels like that fan service kind of quality of like, we need to have a moment for the audience to like, audibly cheer in a weird sitcom kind of way when you introduce yeah. those kind of characters or even and here's here's the thing i uh, know so little about indiana jones i go was this guy in the other yeah he was in okay. he was in he was in one in three yeah but you so. would probably know him better as as um oh uh, lord of the rings as um uh, uh the dwarf um why oh, am i forgetting yeah, his yeah, name yeah. Uh, Gim- gimli no. gimli gimli yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah and so how the fuck did i remember that <laughs> i i don't know but but yeah it's it's one of the, well you just saw it recently yeah, so yeah. um so when you see him come back and like that moment and i'm not spoiling anything because it's he's in, in the, the trailer, trailer. yeah yeah it does feel like, oh, this is a moment for you as the audience to react to. Isn't the whole this. movie kind of that? Like, it it yeah. is, it is, but but it, but it does feel like those moments in particular, like, look who we're bringing back, oh, you know, totally. the character yeah. that you loved in this movie that was there to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as the story progresses, its themes on aging are very apparent. You know, you have someone in 1969 during the space age as, you know, uh, Apollo 11 goes to the moon where, you know, Ford's character is retiring, you know, from his job as a professor and you have someone that's looking, you know, at the past and how people aren't as interested in the past as they are in the present moment. Uh, even the way that the choreography or the staging of a parade in New York is framed, you have Harrison Ford riding a horse being chased by uh, Boyd Holbrook on a motorcycle. So, you know, the old way of uh, cool, escaping though. a situation. No, it, it, it's it's. I, I think it works like in too, terms but, of a, a yeah. conceptual piece, but it's also very much okay. Like you can see a guy that's, you know, in a modern environment in a city using a horse to ride into a subway station and then being chased by a guy on a motorcycle. So again, like he's using, you know, past methods in order to achieve a goal. And again, you know, what Mangold is doing here as a journeyman director is he's taking elements of Spielberg's style of filmmaking, which is to take a set piece that looks almost innocuous or, um, it doesn't have any real threat to it going on. But then as the scene kind of progresses, you'll see, you know, things that you wouldn't expect to be a threat to start kind of forming, like even just the idea of like shelves in a, you know, archival um, sort of library, like being toppled. It's like those things that like, just like looking at them or walking in a room, they're safe, they're secure, there's nothing going on. But then when they play out in a scene, they become more, um, of an obstacle for both the hero and the adversaries to play in. I also think someone like Boyd Holbrook is an interesting, I think the whole Nazi thing is actually kind of interesting in bringing that yeah. back because that's always been a part of the, the, the three movies. Well, at least one in three where, you know, it was always about, you know, sticking it to the Nazis and it's a low hanging fruit, but it's a great thing. But there was a point where even Spielberg in Crystal asked, Skull, wasn't it? No, it was the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah, it was it was okay. the Russians because the nuke the fridge, the Cold yeah, War. You're right, and you would think that right, that you're would right, you're right. that would continue on here, right? Because because it is the Cold War era still. But what I find fascinating about the 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 choice here is that Spielberg after making Schindler's List said that he would never make another Indiana Jones movie or film about the Nazis that was entertainment because of having that experience and, and the show a project and, and, and working on that changed his mind on things. Yeah. So for Mangold and, and the other four writers, cause Mangold's credited as well as uh, David Kep, you have 
this really interesting moment that feels like it is trying to be a, a social commentary on even now where you have Mads Mikkelsen representing, you yeah. know, pure evil. Um, but then you have someone like Boyd Holbrook, who's almost a neo-Nazi. Yeah. You know, a the young, way that handsome, he's some blonde man. That's yeah. When he's reading, corrupted. you know, translations from English to German in that one scene, you, like, and, and th- those characters kind of being, the Americans working with the Germans because um, Mads Mikkelsen's character has basically helped with uh, the science behind the space race. So, you know, you have this conflicting interest of policies and Mikkelsen's character hiding his true identity. Um, And so you have the technological aspect of it with the Phoebe Waller-Bridge stuff. You have almost a reflection of who Indiana Jones was when he was younger, even to the point of, you know, Teddy being uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Helena Shaw, um, the sidekick, the way that Short Round was in Indiana Jones too, right? And even her story of how, you know, she found him. There's a fun, if predictable, tuck-tuck uh, chase in the Tang- in Tangier that kind of plays out. Then they go to the European Mediterranean, you know, in Greece, in Sicily. And all of that stuff feels very familiar. I think the Antonio Banderas aspect, which is also funny that you mentioned Uncharted because he's in that as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, he, you Wasted know what? Like, in I, both? Yes. Uh, I think there's an aspect of that that I understand where it's like you get invited to be in this franchise that maybe you grew up with or loved as a kid and you're working with people like Harrison Ford and James Mangold and, you know, Spielberg's producing and Spielberg also produced the mask of Zorro. So you have that to consider. Um, But I think having someone like him in that role is almost too distracting because he is too big of a movie star, which is also funny because both Harrison Ford and, Antonio Banderas were in The Expendables 3, uh, which was actually a much more fun movie, uh, in, in my opinion. So you you have this kind of feeling of like, oh, you know, that's Antonio Banderas playing that. Where when you have a person like Toby Jones at the beginning, yeah, Toby Jones is, 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 is a recognizable character actor. But he's not a big name. He's not, not like distracting. A, you might recognize him. From yeah, Captain America and uh, mainstream people. You know. Yes. Yeah. Or the Mist. You know. Like I, I made a sure. joke about the Mist. You know. Like his aim hasn't changed since the Mist. But, um, yeah. It, it's when you're watching those scenes, you're just thinking to yourself, okay, well, why is he in this movie? But then when you think about how those first four movies play out, well, there's a lot of people that he meets that come and go in Indy's life that again are, are usually plot devices or a way to yeah. move the, the story along. It's like, Oh, I know somebody that has a boat or I know somebody that can See, help that us get been, through to this location. For me, that would have been a better opportunity to bring back someone from another one of the movies or something. I don't know. Well, unfortunately a, a lot more, of the actors yeah, have, have passed. passed. Yeah. Cause they like Denim Elliott's gone. Yeah. Like Jim Broadbent's again, the one guy that I yeah. thought they would bring back because he, he replaced Denim Elliott in kingdom of the crystal skull and Where was my the, boy Kihui Kwan, man? Kihui Kwan, yeah. I, that's, I think, something that they're probably, they were, you know, they couldn't have predicted everything yeah. everywhere all at once. Because they when were they shooting were, this at the same time, right? Yeah, and they probably had already developed the script way before. So, you know, in, in hindsight or retrospect, that probably is something where, like, if they had started making it now, they would have brought him back into it. Um. But yeah, there's it's it's one of those movies where I don't hate it. I'm just I'm not even disappointed with it. Like I know you were talking about like you went with the flow yeah, yeah. for the most part. I kind of felt worn out by it and not in an exhausting kind of way, just in a like I think we've I think I spent most of my disappointment or anger On uh, towards <laughs> No, well, a little bit actually. You know yeah. what? You're not you're not wrong with that. We're and that was Spielberg directing it, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think that was actually more disappointing where it it, it kind of did feel like a cheap imitation of something that, you know, these guys work so hard, you know, Lucas, Spielberg, Ford to kind of create in the past. But then with this, I think like with this summer, you know, you, know, you mentioned like the MacGuffin kind of being similar to other movies we've seen. We've talked about something that's very similar in Transformers Rise of the Beasts, you know, being in this as well. Um you have an aspect of the flash as well. And I think that's where I spent most of my 
anger, Keaton, frustration yeah. towards with Keaton because that was another childhood favorite. And and I almost felt like I was a little burnt out in that where this is just like, yeah, fine, whatever. It's an encore, right? I hate feeling that too. It's like an encore performance where you're like, all right, one more song. And then they play a song that you're like, all right, okay. Well, it's like, it's like go going on. to see Journey, the band Journey, to, to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing yeah. or the cover band thing. It's like going to see Journey but you're not getting Steve Perry. I can't believe I'm comparing Steven Spielberg to Steve Perry, yeah. but Steve Perry of journey. And then you get the guy who replaced. Him, right? Yeah. And he has a good voice and everything and it sounds fine Again, and it looks good, but it's not the same. And you'll have varying degrees of enjoyment, right? Where I went with the flow and I was like, you know what? That was fine. Like fine in a good way for me where you could go. That was fine in an indifferent way or fine in a not so great way. Right. And I think that's where this movie is threading the needle is <laughs> like in the you're either gonna fall on the like eh, i enjoyed myself or like eh, it's not or the dial if you will yeah the dial will either go one way or the other of being like eh, it's fine or eh, it's fine like it just de- it depends on your uh how you say how fine it is right like i don't know if harrison ford be... fine and i think hardcore fans who have been you know i guess clamoring for this type of movie because uncharted didn't satiate that the tomb raider movie didn't satiate that that like i don't know what the best adventure movie of the last you know i'm trying to think of indiana jones-esque movie uh, of the last you're not gonna like it i think it's mad max fury road that's just kind of like a very simplistic you know from point a to point b have all indiana jones movies been like that because this one feels yeah someone did compare this to like a not as good version of mad max because it is a constant chase movie throughout the whole thing. Well, that's what it's always been. It's always like he gets the, the, the MacGuffin one, and someone's chasing him the whole time or, 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 he's, or he's after, after the, MacGuffin the MacGuffin that yeah. he's been assigned. Like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant is something that he's chasing because the U S government has asked him and only him for some strange reason to get this thing that Hitler is obsessed with, because if he grabs hold of it, he'll have this supernatural power potentially to destroy the world. And, and, that's the other thing that is kind of, I think, worth mentioning is that having had all these adventures, there is still a form of, of skepticism within Indiana Jones that I find very funny that he's experienced he's all still of these. like, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen some things, but I still, you know, ultimately, like, it's all a bunch of hooey, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and like with that, it's kind of, it, 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 you can tell like someone like Chris Carter took a lot of influence from the X-Files, you know, like when creating that show where, you know, government cover-ups and like potentially supernatural aspects, but even the conflict of both Mulder and Scully, you know, Scully being kind of the more skeptical one that believes in science, even though she's someone of faith and Mulder being someone who isn't a faith, but also believes in the possibilities of the unknown. And you kind of see that melding of 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 how like you know Chris Carter separated the two to create those characters. I still think that the best Indiana Jones movie of 2023 is Blackberry, and that's just me. Interesting. Did I freeze on your end? Because my you did, you did. All right, your great. your your nose is like this. I so. know. I'm like I'm like rubbing <laughs> my nose, and then um and that. So I'll keep talking as I try to fix this. I don't know how to though. Um. I wonder if it's still recording my video or if I will just be frozen. There oh, I you're am. back. There we go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we can kind of wrap it up because we have to kind of dodge spoilers. I don't Say, know. whip um, it up. Um, yeah, when you talked about um, the supernatural element, it's something that I never thought of either because that's such a prevalent. It's so funny how similar Uncharted is or 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 Tomb Raider is because they all kind of have that same supernatural twist in the third act and stuff like that. And, um, and I usually like movies with what, what this movie is trying to play with um, is something, and I don't want to give anything away. We've mentioned time and stuff like that, but like, well, it's taking real history, right? Like there is, there is an aspect of reality with the, the MacGuffin, you know, being well, and all uh, of the movies are like that, right? Yeah, all, yeah. Like, Archimedes yeah. dial in in, yeah. in in this case, but there's always some truth, and then the truth kind of slowly becomes less grounded as the story progresses. But you kind of like that because it's a it, it is a way to inspire people to kind of get interested in history as as mm-hmm. as a you know a an entrance point, and and yeah. you're you're 
kind of fascinated by that. Um, I just want to quickly say with Harrison Ford, there is something about his performance that does feel completely present. Um, and and you've been seeing that as of late. Now, I haven't been watching uh, Shrinking, and I know you have. I think have. he's great in Shrinking. Like, you can tell that, like, this guy at this point of his career isn't doing something just to do it. I think he's doing it because he wants to do it. And I, I, yeah. And I do think you can tell both in Shrinking and in this. Um, well, even, even in The Force Awakens and Blade Runner 2049, he seemed more excited to be a part of those movies where you go back again to the, the 2000s and into the early 2010s, the movies that he was making then, whether it be Hollywood homicide or um, paranoia, um, firewall, uh, and aliens. he was checked out. He was always just like, Oh, I'm just here to, you know, lend some gravitas as a legacy and actor. Game, remember? Uh, yeah, and, and I think it was actually around the time of Expendables 3 where it seemed like he started to have fun again. Yeah. Because even in that movie, like he's not in it a lot, but he's kind of fun in that film. And it like these movies, even though a lot of them are just him kind of, you know, revisiting characters that he made iconic in the 70s and 80s, there is something, there's like this twinkle in his eye, you know, like an, an exciting kind of aspect of like, oh yeah, I remember when he was and he still is a movie star it's like there's there's no doubt about that like even something in, in as silly as, as call of the wild there are moments in that movie did i see you know, that i can't even remember did we oh no it? you know we saw that in the theater yeah and, we did uh, right okay because well because that's the other thing like i, I don't want to i don't oh, yeah, to sound <laughs> yeah uh, like i'm ob- you know objectifying harrison ford but a part of what they do early on in this movie is that they show that you know, for an 80 year old man, he's in amazing shape. Like, yeah, he's, he's in got better fucking shape. abs. He's better shape than I am, Sh- bro. Yeah, he's better <laughs> in shape than like most 20 to 30 year olds. I'm but like, they did that as well dude. with Call of the Wild. I love that he does a shirtless scene. And I'm like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, Harrison Ford's ripped, bro, at 80. <laughs> and I'm like, it made me feel so bad about myself. I know. Like, I know. It's like, God damn it. But he is Harrison Ford. Like, yeah. he's still amazing. Yeah. Um, still a handsome man. Like, he's just one of those guys that's like, always been a movie star but when he's a movie star that's interested in the material or cares about what he's doing that's where it really does connect and i just wish the movie was had that same energy that he had because when you're making a movie it's different from seeing the film right you know like you're, you're only one part of you know the puzzle so um i think he's good in the movie what the hell's a red hulk (laughs) God bless him. God bless him. Um, yeah, I, I think he's. I, I I've always loved Harrison Ford as well, and I mean, obviously, being a bit huge Star Wars um, person. Although I was never, you were either like a Luke Skywalker kid or a Han Solo kid, and I will admit, I was more of a, a Luke Skywalker kid. I just like Jedi's more than, um, you know, scoundrels, I guess. Um, but I, yeah, he's great. I think, you know, he holds the movie together, right? Like if they would have done something different, like a reboot or a spinoff or something like that, like, I don't know if that, I'm sure they will one day. I have no doubt that Disney will, will, you know, milk the Indiana Jones license for everything that it's got. So like, I think they'll take some more time off again. And then whether it continues in the same universe with Phoebe Waller bridge or, or, completely reboots it like there were rumors of with the chris pratt stuff thank god that never happened um and then it would be (laughs) faith-based god no please no um so yeah i don't know where it goes in the future but like yeah i enjoyed my time with this i think like you know i I, i'm thinking of like my mom and, and people like that who who were the perfect age when those original movies came out and were a big fan of the movies. Like, I think they're going to enjoy this. Like, I just have a good feeling that like, you know, that generation and, you know, uh, my mom and my dad's generation that goes to see this movie, I think will have a good time with it. Like, I don't think that they'll overanalyze it or get bored. Or I think like from what I've heard from, you know, I think they'll enjoy the ride. Again, will it stick with people being one of the best Indiana Jones movies? No, it's probably going to be number four out of five for most people, but that's also okay. Like the first three or five even. Yeah, I know. Maybe. Um, But uh, like, even for me, like I like 
Crystal Skull more than most people just because I don't have that attachment where I didn't like the third Indiana Jones, which I think a lot of people do really like. And so it's just, I don't know, but I enjoyed this. Uh, I think it was a fun ish ride. Um, again, a movie that I'm not necessarily going to think a lot about, but like I, I've said that in a negative sense, but in this way, I mean it. And maybe if this franchise means more to you, then that is going to be more disappointing. But for me, it was like, eat some popcorn, watch this movie. I like Harrison Ford. I like some of the sci-fi elements. Some of the action sequences are fun. The John Williams music we haven't talked about. Again, it sounds reminiscent of, of both him doing what he's done before. And also it reminded me a lot of his more recent stuff of like the star Wars sequel scores and stuff like that. That's what I got out it, of this, but it doesn't um, have, cause that, cause that original theme in oh, yeah. theme is so iconic, of course, right? Yes. But it doesn't have anything on the, like it's, it's competent. It's well done. It, it, it gets the job done, but it doesn't even have a duel of the fates as kind of like new, but then that's what I mean by the there. sequel trilogy, because I feel like John Williams sequel scores for force awakens, uh, uh, last Jedi and, and, um, the emperors somehow return Emperor's new group. Uh, yeah. Um, I think are good scores, but I don't remember. Sp- I like Ray's yeah. theme that do, 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 yeah. do, like Ray's themes. Great. And there's certain moments, but this, I don't, don't think has like a standout new piece of music that I can like off the top of my head. But like it, I did notice during it, I'm like, this sounds like, modern john williams like it 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 sounds like those modern john those star wars uh sequel scores to me like even pieces of music felt like they were straight from those and i mean john williams is going to sound like john williams i love him he's a legend but shares a birthday with me yep february Um, 8th uh but yeah so i guess that's the last thing i wanted to talk about was uh his score which i think um you know was good but again like a lot of the serviceable it's serviceable that's what i almost feel like this movie is to me it's serviceable so i'm gonna give the movie i'm being very kind but i think it's like the most seven out of ten movie i've seen so it's gonna be a 3.5 out of five for me like it it could teeter on that three range but i'm gonna give it a 3.5 because like i did enjoy myself so that's where i stand I want to ask you a question before I give my final rating yeah. because I think you brought up something that is really, you know, again, it doesn't change the quality of mm-hmm. the film, but I think it will affect the box office is that you mentioned your parents and I talked about my dad being a huge fan of it and, and my mom's a huge Harrison Ford fan. These are the people that I think this is the demographic, the baby boomers and, mm-hmm. you know, the generations a little bit under them that are most excited or intrigued or or will show up for it but do you think that that audience will show up for it because it does feel like going to the movies now there is a younger audience that is kind of showing up post when i say post pandemic like you know where we are now and it does kind of feel like a lot of the people that are of a certain age will feel like, oh, well, they'll look at the running time and they'll be like, oh, maybe that's a little too long. And, and you know, all the, the uh, distractions that are in movie theaters nowadays. And then on top of that, you know, we've talked a lot about about it with Pixar. Yeah. Is that the Disney Plus element. So if you People have Disney Plus, that might be like, you know, I love Indiana Jones and, and all that, but I, I rather just wait until, because I own Disney Plus. I don't want to pay, you know, X amount of money to go and see it and parking and babysitters if I have to do that or, you know, those kind of things. I think that's an interesting question because you are making great points, but to counteract that or counterpoint that, like, has there been a boomer blockbuster in a, in a long time? So maybe- Well, I guess Top Gun Maverick people. is that, Yeah, and right? there's, and there's a, a, a big- you know, like that's the biggest movie of the last, you know, God, I who knows how long, but, um, so yeah, I, I do think that they'll show up like I, and I don't think the Pixar thing works as a comparison because I think there's a precedent of that families got used to Pixar movies coming out on Disney plus. It's not like we've gotten a bunch of Indiana Jones things that went straight to Disney. And then we go, well, that's where I watch that stuff now. And I do think that, you know, people of, of our parents' generation, like they only go to the movies usually a couple times a year, if that, right? Like for the, I, I mean, obviously there's going to be exceptions to that rule. My mom goes to the movies all the time. Movie fans and cinephiles go to the movies all the time, but I'm talking like that average, 
Um, and I think that's a, a bigger conversation I would love to have on a, on maybe a main show or something sometime, because um, I think when you're seeing with the flash and bombing and, and elemental not working, which we just were talking about a little bit, it's like there's, there's so much now, and we've talked about that on the TV side, but on movies as well, uh, I was reading, and sorry, I can't credit the person. I don't know if it was a tweet thread or an article I was reading, but they're like, blockbusters used to be like, we got a couple per summer, right? Like maybe a handful, but like it was like every couple weeks we got one. And it was like a must-see movie. Every you had to go if you were a movie fan, you'd go see it. Everyone talk about it for a few weeks. Where now it feels like every fucking week, there's just like you have to be a fan of every franchise, and there's a big, gigantic two to three hundred million dollar every week, and they're wondering why people aren't going. It's like, yeah, people don't go to the movies every week. Yeah, me and you do. Um, and probably people listening to this show do but like you got to think the average moviegoer goes maybe once a month and then a, a lower grade of that is like maybe a couple times a year they go and they choose their handful of movies so like top gun maverick was one of those movies where the boomer generation came out everyone came out for that one is indiana jones gonna be that i don't think so but with a you know a schedule now where we have so much every week right like a giant movie every week that you're bound to have some flops and the flash was a victim of that i think because we had spider-verse a couple weeks earlier that did very well a superhero movie with a multiverse plot and it's just like i just saw a good one of those two weeks ago and i don't think keaton's batman love him but i don't think that that was there's a connection to Indiana Jones a little bit of like, did enough people have this reverence for that character to be like, I need to go see the flash because he shows up and it showed up that no, they didn't. So I don't know with Indiana Jones. I think I disagree with that. I think the problem with that though, is that nobody cares about the flash as a character. I agree. So even just, when you're putting in Batman, you're, you're kind of like, well, we'll just make it a Batman movie. Like if it, if they, agree, if they said that they were bringing Tim Burton back to direct Batman three, I think that would do better would than the flash. That. I agree. I agree. Yes. But still Keaton being in it in the bat suit being a prominent part should have brought those people yeah. out too, Eric, even though it was a flash movie. And they just don't lie said, to me, Matt. Don't lie to me. <laughs> and they were like, No, I don't want this. And um Yeah. And that's the DC. Every movie is different and every brand is different, but you got like, there's just, it's, it's, there's so much, dude. There's so much every week. Like it needs to. Cause also I, why go I was just going to say like, also why I asked that is because I look at a younger generation. I look at, you know, like this movie costs $300 million later, as well. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, uh, Older, older millennials or younger, no, younger millennials are like at the at tail end of being a millennial and Gen Z. Yeah. It's like they're looking at this and thinking to themselves, like, you know, there, there are people that, have, again, have inherited from their parents and, and you know, have found Indiana Jones through Harrison Ford because of, you know, Blade Runner and, and, and Star Wars and things like that. But are there are there that many people in that age demographic of like, let's say, like 20 or even teens, you know, that are interested in an Indiana Jones no. movie, and that's especially when gonna, they're, yeah. That's where you're going to see this kind of, it's, it's not going to hit those gigantic numbers because of it. And that's what I think that $300 million um, cost for the movie. And I, like, I think it says I, from an article on June 8th from the Hollywood reporter, it's pacing to open between 60 and $70 million over the June 30th, to June 2nd weekend, which is like it for a $300 million movie. That's a little low. And I think the reviews will hurt it a little bit too, because I feel like crystal skull people were burned by. Right. And then if this mm. is getting <clears throat> the reviews aren't as negative as they were when they came out of, uh, it can, but they're not great, right? Like, it's not like it's like, fuck, this is an Indiana Jones movie. You gotta go see this. It's can it's was great. wrong. It's like, yeah, those, those, yeah, those pretentious films, <laughs> those entitled critics. About. Um, but like, it's still getting like mixed reviews, right? Like, it's got a 54% on or 61% because reviews are starting to come out. So it's, it's teetering on that fresh category because 60%, but like, yeah. And I hate to throw so much on Rotten Tomatoes, but that is how you, if you think about how modern audiences decide what movies to go see, right? 
Like that's the first place they go, dude. And that's unfortunate, but like it's, I think there's value in Rotten Tomatoes. I really do as an aggregate. I just don't think a lot of people understand exactly what that percentage means, right? Like so, and we've talked about that a lot too, where they see 50% and they think it's a five out of 10 movie. It's like, no, that means half of the people thought it was a three or better, right? Like, which yeah. is, it, I just don't think a lot of people get that. So a 50% means, well, like one out of every two people liked it. So you should just go probably decide on yourself and you might like it. You might not where the higher that percentage goes, the more likely you are to at least think it's a three out of five is essentially what that meter means. But I still think what, when people see 61%, especially that younger generation, like uh, the older generation, I think will go in, and see the movie no matter what, because of Harrison Ford, because it's another Indiana Jones movie. Um, but I don't think that audience is big enough to make this like a gigantic hit. And I do think that they might've made more money if it was a reboot, if it was, you know, recasted with a, a younger actor and um, depending on who that is and, and, and stuff like that, then maybe you get a, more of that audi- audience. But I don't even think Indiana Jones is in that same level as a Star Wars or that's maybe me personally, but like I just like of a bigger audience. And this is an interesting conversation because uh, my friends at kind of funny were talking about this because they were more talking about it on the video game side of things because they're making an Indiana Jones video game for Xbox. And then it's funny because Tim and, uh, and Tim being uh, our age and in his mid thirties was arguing with uh, blessing and, and Snowbike Mike about, the value of the Indiana Jones IP on for video game fans, right. Of being like the, the company that is making the Indiana Jones game is the company that made Wolfenstein. Um, so they made the most recent Wolfenstein games and they were arguing of what would people care more about a new Indiana Jones game or Wolfenstein three. Cause the first two Wolfenstein um, video games are pretty popular. People enjoyed them. Right. And, you know, Tim was saying that Indiana Jones is more valuable where Mike and Blessing, who are uh, Mike's more around our age, but Blessing's a little bit younger, um, were arguing that Wolfenstein mattered more and no one gives a shit about Indiana Jones. Right. Like, especially yeah. like they're like no one like no offense to it. They're like it's but like video game fans, I think, don't care. Like, that's not necessarily going to be like, oh, fuck, I, I got to buy an Xbox because there's an Indiana Jones game out. Right. And we've already had the Uncharted. <laughs> They're not Jones in like for it. Yeah. So I think that's like this IP. I hate to boil it down to just that, but like it is an interesting one. And I'm very curious of how this movie will do, because uh, I do think it's smart to market it towards our, you know, that um our parents generation and things like that. And they did come out for things like Top Gun, but then Top Gun was also introduced to a whole new generation and people fell in love with that movie of all ages. Right. So, and I don't know if this movie's necessarily doing that. Like it's obviously not on the same level. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that is an interesting question, but yeah. And, and, and just going to that, that, that conversation about video games as well. And I think that that's an interesting conversation to have because it's like, you know, it's not, I don't know if it's the same company or not, but like even, Again, we've been talking about, you know, the influence that Indiana Jones and, and Raiders have had over the decades where, you know, uh, the 30s and 40s movies and serials that inspired Indiana Jones, nobody talks about anymore, right? They yeah. would rather, you know, the people that that saw Indiana Jones, that saw those movies would be like, oh, I'd rather have another Indiana Jones movie than a, a, a 40s or 30s serial character come back, yeah. you know, into prominence. Now, I think it's it's like, okay, well, with like the video game thing or even with movies, it's almost more like, again, just going with video games here. It's like, what would you rather see? Another Uncharted video game or Tomb Raider game or an Indiana Jones game? And, you know, I think a, the Most generations would now would Tomb Raider or Uncharted. Tomb Raider yeah. or Uncharted because that's their Indiana Jones. And yeah. so like, you know, even, what? even with, you know, move, moving outside of that, I was just going to say with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like they're trying to bring some credibility there with, you know, like Fleabag is one is an amazing show. It's, it's an incredible piece of, of, of writing, directing, acting. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. I think like that's trying to, you know, bridge the line between commercial and, 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 and critics and try to bring in some more gravitas and as much as i i love her on that show and it's her you know it's hers through and through i kind of feel with this 
like what you were talking about, like if they, if they had hired somebody that is like, and, and I hate thinking this way, but like if they hired someone that was like a big name, somebody that was recognizable now to that generation, maybe that would bring in that audience as well, where I don't think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to they bring tried in. They tried that with Shia LaBeouf you know, though, right? Like, and I, I think they did. And, 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 and that was when Spielberg and... was in love with him too, right? And so how it kind of feels like that movie hilarious. Poochie went back to his home planet. It's like, it's so funny. So there's a lot but. going on there where it does feel like it is riding on the original IP. The fact that Harrison Ford, you know, has been so kind of excited and open to discuss the film and the mm-hmm. process of the making it and, 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 and everything. But then, yeah, there's, there's part of it where you just feel like even with the Rotten Tomatoes thing, like I think that that's a really important conversation that you always have to have to remind people that just because a positive review goes to a percentage, it doesn't necessarily mean that the positive review is a glowing one. Like even, you know, your review, like you're positive on it, but you're like, yeah, it's fine. It, it's okay for what it is. And yeah. I would give it a pass. And what happens mark. if 98% of people said that? Oh, it's a three out of five. It's exactly. Okay. That means it would have a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes if everyone gave yeah. it a three out of five. So it's, uh, it's See, that's weird... where the subtlety and nuance comes in, in in film criticism. You can't homogenize these things in that way. You have to go to the individual review and read a positive review that might be kind of lukewarm, that's still passable, but like actually read it and learn like, okay, well, why are they giving this thing a pass? And why is this still, you know somewhat maybe okay middle of the road you know a a mid movie as the kids would say uh these days and that's kind of where i am but i'm more negative because i think of just the disappointment of you know having that initial connection where watching this to me just kind of felt like i was watching another uncharted or i actually Mm -hmm. like the elisa vikander tomb raider movie more than this so that's why i'm giving it a two out of five and that's why as well like i'm just like so disappointed in it so yeah that's fair and i mean what what was disappointing about uncharted for me the movie is that it didn't learn the games learned so much from the indiana jones movies and basically were just modern day clones of that where the movie didn't at all (laughs) and they did something completely different you're like why didn't you just copy an indiana jones movie but set it in modern day it's just like they it was wild that movie was more disappointing to me than this because this i'm like oh it feels like indiana jones where that should have felt like indiana jones and felt like something completely generic so yeah i don't know i understand where you're coming from as well um Thank you all for watching or listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we have many more reviews that you guys can go check out right now. We, it's like we said, there's new big movies every single week, it seems like this summer, and there's just more and more of them. So you can check out a review of Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, uh, Pixar's Elemental, uh, the aforementioned The Flash uh marvel studio secret invasion on the tv side of things uh spider-man across the spider-verse um transformers rise of the beast for some other time MacGuffins, uh fast x uh things like that so go check out all of those reviews um one-stop shop for everything over on letterboxd which is untitled underscore movies and if you want to find uh more of my work you can find it around the internet but mostly right here at the untitled movie podcast and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric march and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on all the social medias at em6211 until next time Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, calling Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, wake up now. Whoosh.